You use the word Sankara, and you all may be a bit confused about the Sankara in the five aggregates than the Sankara in Vipassana. But you see here, actually, the Buddha used the word Sankara in so many different contexts. There are six major doctrinal concepts in which Buddha used the word Sankara. The one is in the law of dependent origination, and then the second one is in the aggregates, and the third is for Vipassana contemplation. The fourth is for the cessation attainment, when the person goes into what we call Niroda Samapati. You know what it is? Succession of feelings and perceptions. The fifth is in relation to the mindfulness of breathing. And then the sixth is Kaya Sankara, Vaji Sankara, and Mano Sankara. These are connected with Kama. And then it also occurs in parts of several compound words and other occurrences elsewhere. There are so many different occurrences. You know, there's no hard and fast line drawn between concept and ultimate reality when we talk about Vipassana meditation, which I pointed out just now. For Vipassana contemplations, Sankhara are not restricted to form Chitta and Chittasika, but include anything that has been constructed by causes and conditions and has the nature of arising and passing away, which includes all our thoughts, our concepts, ideas, beliefs and so forth. Now we also have another thing called Dhamma. We don't recite it here, but I think maybe you recite it as guided retreatant. At the end of uh, the day, you all recite, all constructions are impermanent, all constructions are suffering, and all Dhammas are not self. Why is it that the Buddha did not say all Dhammas are impermanent, or all Dhammas are Suffering. He only said all oh, dhammas are not self. And he says only sankharas are impermanent and suffering. Dhammas are not suffering and not impermanent. So, what is the difference? This one we have to see here. When we talk about vipassana objects, we have active sankhara and passive sankhara. Active sankharas are those which have intention involved, and passive sankharas are those without intention, but they are nevertheless the product of causes and conditions. Like just now, the example given by Tony, when he was looking at the river, the wild river, the first thought that arose is a passive sankara. There's a memory. And then he dwelt on that thought, and he ruminated on it, that's active sankara. These are sankharas. These are supposed to be looked at as anicca anatta. Then we have Dhamma, and uh, these, actually this active Sankhara and passive Sankhara also fall under Dhamma. They are also Dhammas. It's just that it's a subset of Dhamma, which is the big thing. So this includes Nibbana and laws of nature. The Dhamma here includes Nibbana, laws of nature, and for example, the five Niyamas. Do you know what the five Niyamas are? These are called the orders, the five orders. First one is the order of seeds, Bija Niyama. It says that if you plant a mango seed, you will get a mango tree. If you plant a durian seed, you will get a durian tree. A mango seed will not give you a durian tree. This is the order of the seeds. Each plant will germinate itself and not any other pieces. 
The order of seasons here refer to the seasons. Nowadays also our climate is topsy-turvy. <laughs> you have snow in the desert <laughs> and here it rains uh, in the hot season and you have drought in the dry season. So that is the order of seasons. Then you have Kama Niyama. This is the order of Kama, the moral law of cause and effect. Then you have order of the Dhamma. What is that? Order of the Dhamma here refers to, for example, talking about Buddhas and Arahants and all those enlightened beings. When a person has attained to Arahantship, then he is completely purified of all his defilements. That is the order of the Dhamma. Then we have Chitta Niyama, order of the mind. Order of the mind is the characteristic of mind. The characteristic of citta is that it is conscious of an object and it arises from moment to moment. That is the nature of the mind. This is called the order of the mind. All these orders, they are not impermanent, they are not suffering, but they are not self. It's just a law, it's not impermanent. The law is, is a concept and it's not impermanent, nor is it suffering. But these objects are suffering, but not the law itself. Anyway, the law is not self. It is not suffering, it is not impermanent, but it's not self anyway. There's no one there, the law just exists. It's, it's part of nature. Any questions? Can you just explain why order of mind and why it's not suffering? The order itself. It's not the mind itself. Order of mind means the nature of the mind. The nature of the mind is that it takes an object, it is conscious of an object. The nature of the mind is that it arises and passes away and it is fleeting. This, this uh, description of the nature is not impermanent. But the mind itself is impermanent. The attachment to the mind is suffering, then. and that one is that is something else. This is talking about the law. It's just like the law of gravity. Okay. The law of gravity is neither impermanent nor suffering. It's just a law. It describes a certain behavior. So the description itself is not suffering or impermanent. The dhamma you refer here is a dhamma in the Satipatthana, the four. No, 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 This not this not this not. is talking about the law. The law of the Dhamma is talking about nature, the nature of, uh, let's say, arahanship, the nature of uh, spiritual beings. It's just a nature. So when the Buddha said that we need to observe the Vitaka, the Sanya, and the Vedana, the Vitaka is the, is the active Sankara, and yep. the Vedana and Sanya are yeah, passive Sankara. Right, right, correct, correct. Okay. Correct. Yes.